Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Pints and Perspectives, a podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we believe that there's a plethora of theological perspectives and plenty of beer to go around. Colin, it's rodeo season. I know it's rodeo season. Just, I was just looking. You uh, got an itching? Well, yeah, I actually, I, I think I'm maybe like the only person in the world that actually cares about the rodeo part instead of like all the stuff at the rodeo. You're like into actual PBR. Well, but this is actually PRCA. This is true oh. rodeo. <laughs> Forgive me. Yeah. PBR is professional bull riding. Oh, yes. Okay. Rodeo is rodeo, of which there are many events outside of just bull riding. Well, you'll of have course. bareback, you'll have saddle bronc, roping. you'll have, yeah, team roping, you'll have steer right. wrestling, you'll have but yeah, is, but is P- tie down roping. Is PBR, do they, does PBR and PCRA. Do they participate in each other? So no, it's a they different are different. Saying, now, you'll have riders that cross, play both. but the guys at the top of the PBR are only riding the PBR. They're not doing And rodeo. the guys at the top of the PRCA are only in the PRCA. Okay. And they will cross over to do lower-level PBR rides when the PRCA is So what you're telling me is the PBR guys are the real hardcore guys. They're like, Well, they just make the most money, and so if you can ride at the highest level, they do it almost every weekend, have some kind of high-level PBR. And, I mean, yeah, those guys are riding like 20-something times a a year in events, and you're getting on two, three bulls a day. On uh, weekend what? and the the national finals every year is like a ten day long event, a bull a day, and the last day it's like two day or two bulls. What must the insurance be for a life like that? I if I mean I don't know. Most of those mm. guys probably don't have great insurance. <laughs> what are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, folks. Uh, Welcome to Pints and Perspectives, where I still have this thing. (laughs) And will forever. Will forever. Oh, man. There's this one (laughs) for when I make a dumb joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, we're hey. gonna we're gonna upload some new sounds into these. We are experimenting because we're trying to make this podcast better, and so we are going to upload some new sounds. So if you have like an idea that you think fits our personalities, it's like an iconic sound. Drop in, drop it in the comments. Find a link to the actual sound that you think is a good suggestion. Maybe we'll extract it and put it in here. Sure, or maybe we won't. Or maybe we won't. <laughs> Welcome to Bison Perspective. <laughs> we'll just do drops of me saying Cullen. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Pines and Perspectives. Please like, subscribe, and share. And uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I am drinking something from Platypus Brewing, which is a Houston brewery. Um, a I'm not familiar with though. Wait, are they from Houston? They're they are. Houston. Why, um, why is there an Australia on this can? Well, because it's Australian soul. It's brewed with Texan heart and Australian soul. Oh wow! And it is in Houston. It's wow. on Washington Avenue. Okay, Washington Ave. Yeah, it is. It is on Washington Ave. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, cool. I'm shook right now, if I'm being honest. What's up, platypus um, down the street? Uh, okay, so they don't have a website, uh, but you could do untapped and, and find out info about them. But the first, I have a beer from them last night. I had the, one yeah, of their Yeah, where'd blondes. you get it? Where, uh, where, where'd you get it, Cullen? Adam's house. I was babysitting. You, 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 t- you just took it out of my fridge and didn't even ask, Cullen. I was babysitting your children for free. That's fair. Uh, so, yes, I did. Um, 
It says it's the name of it is Kiss My Piney. Oh. It's uh, India Pale Ale. Inappropriate. <laughs> so I think that it's going to have a real pine flavor. If it doesn't, I'm going to be upset because it even has like pine oh, needles look up at here. That. Uh, it's India Pale Ale. It's 7.6% ABV. Whoa. And it does have. It does tell me a little bit about it. It says that it's a. It showcases hoppy aromas from a combination of Simcoe, which, if you've been around IPAs at all, Simcoe is a, a pretty common hop. Uh, Zithos and Denali hops, mm. uh, which are not very common, uh, while the citrus undertones round out the flavor party in your mouth. Flavor party. If this beer isn't hoppy enough for you, kiss my. Oh, and they insult you on the uh-huh. way out. Oh, they do have a website, platypusbrewing.com. Yeah, I'm uh, like, what kind of... Kiss My Piney is our first IPA release. Wow. Oh, how old is this brewing company? Uh, we about to find out, because I'm a little shook. H time... What's funny is... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, that's everything that the can says about it. I'm pulling them up online right now. Um... Oh, there it is. They have a hyphen in it, and their can does not say what? that they have a hyphen. What? Okay, this is this is bad. Yeah, they, yeah it says platypus brewing, oh, no hyphen on the can, but the actual URL is a hyphen. Oh, oh I can't help it. They got to get points docked for this, right? I mean, I can't help that huge blunder. That's a blunder. That's a blunder. It deserves a womp womp. Yeah, for sure. Oh my goodness! Oh, that is terrible. So, does it uh, say what year they were established? Oh, um, oh yeah, about. Uh, I went straight to the brewery, uh, Southwest Texas. Brought it back in twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. First opened in twenty sixteen. Okay. All right. All right. Well, so they've been at it for a hot minute. And they got quite a few labels, man. They got. It, I guess we need to go down to Washington. Yeah, eight. Oh, but they got one that's out of circulation, a hazy. Oh no, 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 no! It's oh, it's just called the out of orbit. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and ironically enough, mine that I have is not on the is website. not on the website. I wonder if it's seasonal, or, um, or uh, maybe they stopped running it because uh, the can is wrong. Maybe, or maybe this website is just real crap. Man, because um, it does look that way. Platypus, get your life. Okay, right, uh, yeah. on the other side of things, I'm dealing with a very well-established brewery. Yeah, Lagunitas. <laughs> Nobody's Lagunitas. playing around with Lagunitas. <laughs> uh, they were established in the early 90s. Um, this is the, and I think they're in New York, right? New York? Look that up real quick. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling them up right now. Lagunitas, California. California, tripping. Um, this is the daytime session ipa so for those of you beer drinkers out there you don't need this knowledge but here's a little beer nugget as cullen like to call it (laughs) um here's a little beer nugget a session ipa is an ipa so it's all hoppy and crisp uh but it has a lower abv so that you can drink more of them and you can sesh with your friends yep so uh, this is 4% alcohol by volume, three carbs, and only 98 calories. Flavor for days. Eight fluid ounces in a can. 
uh, Lagunitas doing it. It's like it has a puppy dog with sunglasses, and they're out at the beach enjoying the sun, the waves, and the the seagulls. Oh, man, this button said birds. That's crickets, bro. I just pressed the cricket button because I wanted a bird sound because you said birds. It doesn't. That's not crickets. Okay, comment below. Was that sound that you just heard crickets or birds? Definitely wasn't seagulls. Cheers. Seagulls. <laughs> He's lost. Oh, Cullen's making a mess. I mean, hey, man, that's a good IPA. If you if you don't pop that top and the head pop out, whoa, you, whoa, you are whoa. doing it wrong in an IPA. There might be children listening to this podcast. I need you to rein that language <laughs> in. Thank you. I'll be here all night. Um, I can smell the pine coming off that thing from here. Yeah. Um, it's everything it should be. Okay. It. Yeah, I was looking for it on the website. Um, and they didn't have it. I found yours on the website. This, uh, is everything that it's advertised as. The number one flavor you get is pine. Um, I could literally smell it when you're Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it like it's pine through and through is like hands down the most pungent flavor in it. And I love it. Um, yeah, I... First of all, I think it's like a 7.4. It's a very good IPA. Okay. Um, it's got like a West Coast kind of feel to it. All, I mean... Well, the pine... I guess, yeah, maybe, well, I don't know. The pine makes it hard to place because it is so pungent. That is not, pine is not yeah, a common West Coast that's the primary flavor. Well, and the gimmick of it, right, is like it's going to well, slap you in your piney. They <laughs> say Australian soul. Are there huge pine trees in Australia? No, I think that's just about the brewery in general, not the beer in particular. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah, you're probably right. It, it's probably Australians who live in Houston or something like that. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's very good if you like the pine flavor. I I grew up around tons of pine trees. Like my family just bought a four hundred acre farm that is currently a, like a pine farm plantation. Um, so oh, we don't use that word. Uh, yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> my apologies. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bad, yeah, bad, 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 bad. Womp, womp, womp. Uh, yeah, farm, uh, yeah, farm. No, uh, what's the word? It's for? a tree farm. Yeah, but there's like a word for that. Arboretum. There is a word. Oh, yeah, the Houston Arboretum. No, but, but that's tree farm. Oh, what, what's a word for tree farm? Come on, there's a word for tree farm. It's it's a it's a Kevin. What's the word for tree farm where you, you live? A tree plantation. Oh my God, that's that's why I said it. That is problematic. That is the actual a, term. A, Tree plantation, a forest plantation, a plantation forest, a timber planted. plantation. Timber, timber, because it is a plantation. Yeah, man, that's problematic. I got to work on that. Well, Stigma. I mean, it's not. I mean, as soon as prices come back up, it's all getting cut and turned into hay. So, mm. anyways. <laughs> Where are we? What are we talking about? Lagunitas. Yeah, you need to talk about Lagunitas. Uh, this is not a good beer. I don't recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> so much for the established brewery that needs no introduction. <laughs> it's not good, y'all. 
<laughs> he said it's not good. I wish, I still, is it Chris? I wish I picked the one you got. <laughs> <laughs> or the one that's still in the fridge. <laughs> yes. Had options. Uh it's very crisp. Look, this is the deal. It is it is it this beer has two flavors. There is no complexity here. There is ah. no dynamics here. It has two flavors. This is what you get in sessions. Exactly. This is true. This is a downfall Look, of I'm, sessions. I'm, I'm going to take a sip. The first flavor I get is crisp. It's just like a crisp water. <laughs> the second flavor is what? Hops. That's all. That is all. Then it's over. And the hops fades quickly. This is why most sessions normally have a fruit adjunct. Yeah, that's right. They'll 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 put like a peach in it. Or, uh, yeah, or, or some like, kind of stone fruit or a berry. Yeah, or a berry. Right. Yeah. Because it's just no dynamics, and There's so not. um, yeah. And and here's the thing: I don't find IPAs refreshing. So like this beer is designed for you to be on a beach under the seagulls, not the crickets, and drinking this beer all day long while you're playing horseshoes in the sand. And it's supposed to be refreshing and cooling. But the hops dries me out. And so it makes me more thirsty. The hops makes me more thirsty. So I hate drinking IPAs on the beach. Yeah. So this beer, it, it gets a three from me. Three. Three. Lagunitas, much love. Uh, three. Go home. Dang. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's in on it. He's in on it. It's fun, right? It is fun. It is fun. Okay. Uh I think uh, we need to talk a little bit about Jesus. Why? Isn't, <laughs> isn't that what we agreed to talk about last time? Do you remember? <laughs> you, you were asking a question at the end of the last episode as we were talking. And it was about Jesus does, and suffering and impassibility. How does the Godhead participate in, in Jesus the suffering, suffering that Jesus experiences? Yes. yes. Okay. So... Well, okay, so you said this is a real Trinitarian conversation. Well, yeah, because there are so many, the presuppositions of this question are that the Godhead and the Son uh, are the same. They are one. They're unified. Mm-hmm. Um, one God, three persons. Mm-hmm. You can, that you have to, like, hold that. Yeah. Because if you just, because if you're not a Trinitarian, uh, for whatever reason, like Jesus is just human or they're two separate gods or something other than a Trinitarian belief, it doesn't matter because they're not the same deity. Jesus right. Jesus suffers, he suffers. God doesn't, he doesn't. They don't need to overlap. But, but you can't get a docetic like differentiation duality like that. Or like modalism, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but modalism is more that God just shows up in modes. But modalism... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but modalism really breaks down at the baptism of Jesus. Well, here's what I'm saying, though. Like, you... you the only reason... The only people who give a crap about how the Godhead experiences the passibility of the Son are people who believe that they are the same God. Ah, uh, yeah. Heard. Yeah. Uh, and and you have to hold that Jesus is somehow divine. Yeah. Okay. So but, so yeah. let's that that's the classic orthodox position. Yeah. So how does that work then? Like well, how how does the Godhead participate in in Jesus's most obvious objective passibility? Okay. So as we're gonna have this conversation, maybe we should pick what perspective of the Bible on this we're going to prioritize. Uh, okay. Should we most prioritize Jesus's words on this and how Jesus in it thinks that Always. Jesus interacts with the uh, Godhead and the Trinity? I mean, if I have to read the Bible, that's the part you're reading. reading. The red <laughs> right? Okay, good, 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 good. We're on the same page. Um, well, that's not true. I read all of it. 
but it's true. Uh, it's a story. Um, Good for you, color. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, okay, so Jesus's perspective. I mean, maybe maybe the Gospel of John would give it. I mean, it's probably the most Trinitarian gospel. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we probably should also talk about Mark's gospel at some point because Mark eight through ten really is the heart of like a suffering conversation about Jesus. Oh. Uh, which, if you didn't know, the reason we're having this is because this... It's Lent. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this really is like a crux issue for the problem of evil. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, and especially... One of, one of many. <laughs> well, and especially if you're trying to solve the problem of evil... Yeah, you gotta get it Jesus' suffering is like the smoking gun, if you were gonna like use that term. Because you also have to answer the question, why does he have to suffer? Right. That there's this theological trinitarian question of how does God suffer, but also, but also why must they? Why, why must the Son be murdered and and yeah. stripped naked and beaten and spit upon and yeah? So if you read John's Gospel, John, the the Johannine community that writes the Gospel of John, really has the most developed trinitarian kind of thought process of the ancient world, which is also why a lot of scholars think that it's pretty late. You know, sometimes yeah. even after Revelation. It's just development. Which is kind of where I am. Um, I think it's probably the latest book written in the New Testament. And, 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 and the genre choice is just so dramatically different. Anyways. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in there, John chapter 5 really is um, has a lot of Trinitarian language in it. And in there, Jesus says... For I cannot do anything that my f- except what my Father wills. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. Jesus seems to think that he is in some way subordinate to some element of the Godhead that That's right. Jesus decides to call Pater. Right, right, right. Father. Right. And then in John 5, Jesus also says that... Um, at some point, I will leave to prepare a place for you, and I will send you my spirit. Numa, yeah, my spirit. Right, the spirit of Jesus. Right. So, in that way, you do seem to have uh, maybe maybe hierarchy is not the way to communicate it. Well, but like source ship and yep. like okay, uh, like and so this is why I love Paul Tillich's language of like ground of being. Isaiah seems to have some kind of idea of like radiant energy for Yahweh mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So you have this idea of like ground of being that materializes into Jesus and Jesus issues his spirit, which we call the Holy Spirit. Yes. Uh, that would be like a, um, like a kind of basic way to frame the Trinitarian element of it. Yeah. So, and then... This God figure named Jesus suffers. Mm -hmm. That suffering is problematic if God cannot change. If God can't change, God can't endure suffering. Why? Well, because then then that would mean that God is passable. God can be impacted. So so then therefore that means that God is not all-powerful. God can if God can be affected, God mm-hmm. can be effected. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and that's problematic for omnipotence. Yeah, it's one of those. It's the omnis thing, right? 
Right. It, yeah. Which that, is the problem of evil. Yeah, which is the How problem. How can an all-powerful God? But yeah, right, right, right. But, okay. But, I and, you know, if it hasn't become clear, I think the reason that we are still having this conversation in this way is because we, in the 21st century, after, you know, the Industrial Revolution and the Industrial Age and the Research Age and Internet Age and all of these years of research are still holding on to a 4th century premise of omnipotence. So if I so um, would being an open theist or a panentheist solve that problem? Is that why we're talking about this? Uh huh. Yeah, it can solve that problem quite easily. Might have mind too. Right, right, right. Um. So if that is the case, so just to circle back to my original question, how the Godhead does therefore also suffer? Yes. How? How? Okay. Like, so, like emotionally? Well, so... Because not physically, because... Well, God, Jesus physically Okay, suffered. but that's what I'm saying. The Godhead and Jesus. So yeah. we know Jesus has a physical suffering. How does the Godhead... How is the Godhead impacted by that? Okay, so this is a great... Yeah, <clears throat> great question. What... Do you remember back to when I asked you about presuppositions about God and the problem of evil? Sure, yes. And you... And, and we, you, just, we discovered that you too are a heretic. Yes. Yes. But when we did that conversation, <clears throat> I kind of baited you, and the only omni that you didn't have a presupposition about God was omnipresence. Yes. And that's because we determined you didn't think it was valuable because God necessarily suffering with you when they can change it mm. isn't enough right mm. if if you if if someone is holding my daughter captive and torturing her and you are that person you have the power to change it you sitting here with me is not very comforting mm -hmm. you sitting here ha making me watch Knowing that you have the power to stop that, yeah. your presence is not comforting. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not a good god. Right. Right. So, I'm actually pretty bad. But if you take out that God has ultimate power to change that, right. presence really matters. Right. And so, I right. think the Holy Spirit is ever present, and so we have this like ever present being that is always emotionally involved in how we're suffering okay, so, as evidenced by Jesus. But then I also think that I got it. Oh, go ahead. Well, you're, you're very Trinitarian. The, well, the, the only, way that the way the Godhead suffers with the son is because they share the spirit. Well, only if they, only if you allow them to interpenetrate each other well, and yeah. not only go a one way. Well, that would be modalism, right? Well, no. What do you mean? Oh, because eventually the spirit would still have to go back to the, Ground yeah, of being. I'm just thinking about that triangle thing, man. Right. So if you have that triangle, they interpenetrate each other. Though. Yeah, interpenetration. That's the, they're kids, bro. <laughs> Wait. No, that's a womp womp. <laughs> oh no, it's this one. It's this one. Hey. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Two beers. Um. So. I think, yeah, if, if you allow them to interpenetrate one another, yeah, 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 it does free that up because they are connected. But don't they share in being? Like, this is the problem with the Trinity. But it's interdependence as okay. well as interpenetration. Okay. So, yeah, all the above. Yeah. So, so when, God, when Jesus dies, yeah. God dies. dies. Yeah. When okay. Jesus okay. suffers, God suffers. And yeah. when you carry it further to Jesus' right. own words, when you help the least of me as you have done unto me, uh, the spirit 
is so we are a part of the trinity well a part of the trinity is within us mm. is maybe a better way we have been it. interpenetrated <laughs> <by this. laughs> yes Yes, yes. Just like Mary. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Kevin, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Clayton. Um, okay. Where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah. So why is it important that Jesus suffers? We've talked about this, right? We've had a conversation about impassibility and suffering and God yeah. changing. And, and God clearly does that, right? I mean, even at the most basic level, could you say from a 30,000 foot view that if you didn't know any better, the God that you see evident in the Old Testament is the same God that you see evidenced in the New Testament? Bro, I could answer that so many different ways. I, I, and I, the majority of them, I are do, they the same God or not? Well, look, I do have the script that I could easily roll out yeah, and, how, sure. and how I unify, and it yeah. is one same God. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's real fucking... it's real problematic yeah it is because there is like there is something to um the character of the deity (laughs) that is illustrated in the narrative is different why and specifically i know you're going to say you have a qualm with the old testament god less so than the new testament one jesus is pretty straightforward about how to treat the vulnerable, mm-hmm. whereas Adonai is pretty straightforward about how to do genocide. Yeah, Jesus is pretty. Um, and look, there are some. There are some, there are even some Pauline passages where I'm where I'm like, look, Howard Thurman is on this table. Yeah. There, uh, Major Jones is on this table. There, there are some pa- there are some Pauline passages that even in the New Testament, I'm like, nah, I, pfft, nope, throwing them out. But Jesus is different, and Jesus so different. and so Christian, Trinitarian Christian. If he's going to be God, then what kind of God? This God must have changed. Well, okay, so that's my question, right? And what what's the difference? What's the main qualm you have with the Old Testament God? You could, if you could put it into one thing, I'm pretty sure I have a great way to say it, but I want to see if you, how you would communicate. What's your number one problem with the Old Testament God? I would probably say the uh, uh, um, the employment of violence to achieve His will. So, because that God never suffered, that God only caused suffering. Hmm. Hold on. Pause. That God never suffered. Uh, wow. Interesting. I've not thought about it that way. But then in the New Testament, you get a God that's evidenced in Mark chapters 8 through 10 that makes suffering the answer to a lot of it. He's human. He's also God. Well, see that. Yeah. He's the son of man. You can't remember. Is he you the can't same for- God? Is he the same God? Is he the, is he the is he the genocidal god? I do think it's the same god, and this is the same thing I told you. You're I think, modalist. I'm not. So how does that god can become this? That how does self limitation? Okay. In the person of oh, Jesus. Oh, you're going back to the whole open theism thing. Yeah. You think that Jesus? You think that the advent was the moment God uh, set. Forth his own limitation. Mm-hmm. 
even in and above Jesus, I think I think the Old Testament God was an all powerful God because that's who God is. I think the Old Testament God is a God who brings life because I think that's who God is. But I also think the Old Testament God <laughs> is a really, really invested God and an emotional God. And throughout the story of the Old Testament, they learned that an all-powerful and fully emotionally present God was not a great thing. So so, so Jesus kind of like um, eats the meat and spits out the bones, of uh, <laughs> theologically speaking, like he keeps the good stuff and gets rid of the bad stuff? Uh, no, I think, I think Jesus... <clears throat> Jesus is the way that God the Godhead figured out how to solve the mm. cosmic war that they're fighting. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in that God decided that in a war where they must lead a fight, mm -hmm. that same disposition and power is not what was best for their relationship with their yeah. people and their community. Cause he was violent. And so they changed. They made some moves. They set up some boundaries. They created some systems to ensure that that didn't happen again. As we saw evidenced in very minuscule ways in the Old Testament with the covenants that God would set up, yeah, specifically right. might we say the Noah covenant and the rainbow. That God said even then when they caused that level of destruction, well, that never again I would destroy the entire I earth mean, by water because that was violent. Man, no, you're right. The covenant thing is a great, it's like a new covenant. Oh, it's well, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason that's oh so funny God. is because that's basic, basic, basic theological concepts. <laughs> I'll be here all night. Two degrees. <laughs> yeah. New covenant theology is actually, you know, made popular by N.T. Wright. If you didn't know. Man, Cullen, that's real good and all. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think. Okay, what next? Well, maybe the best thing to do is now in our next episode, I want to look at this entire story through the lens of God. Yeah. And I, I want us to try to do a, if you didn't know, I, if you don't follow me on Instagram, it's Cullen J. Ware. I love to do these like creative retellings mm -hmm. of stories, of biblical stories, of anything. So. What I want to I want to do a creative retelling of this entire story through the lens of God as I've been communicating it to you throughout this whole perspective. The, the one question I have is: Do I get to use the buttons? And, of course, and be cynical about the of course the crap you come up with. Of course, well, then, I can't hey. wait for you to. All right, um, comment below: crickets or birds? Crickets or birds? That's birds, my man. I don't know how. You have studio-grade headphones on. I do not know how you don't understand that that's birds, not crickets. Comment below. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.